0: And welcome to Is It My ADHD? The podcast about what it really feels like to have attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. I'm Grace Timothy and I'm a writer and I wasn't diagnosed with ADHD until I was 37. I'd struggled with traits I now know to be ADHD all my life, but it wasn't until a routine hearing appointment with a doctor who happened to have ADHD himself that these traits were pieced together and it was suggested that I get referred for an assessment had it not been for that random moment with an audiologist, I'd still be undiagnosed now and still struggling, just like the two million women thought to have undiagnosed ADHD in the UK today. I want to better understand what ADHD feels like for women and non-binary people in whom ADHD is so often missed, thanks to the fact that the diagnostic criteria and research is all heavily skewed to the white male case study. I've therefore spoken to some incredible women about how ADHD affects their lives, Exploring everything from friendship and work to dating and self-esteem. I've also pulled in some experts along the way to help us tackle the big questions from you and from my guests. Is it my ADHD when I ghost old friends, for example? Is it my ADHD when I break the photocopier at work? And is it my ADHD when I share nudes on Instagram? My hope is that we can spread awareness of ADHD in women and non-binary people, and that you'll find some comfort in knowing you're far from being alone. Because with the right support, we can be truly amazing. Today, we're talking about meds with the lovely Emma Golding. When I was diagnosed in 2021, the psychiatrist immediately prescribed meds. I was initially reluctant because I was in denial, to be honest. But then after a while, I started to wonder is this the secret to me finally writing another book? Will I finally be more patient and more chill? And will I be less anxious? Unfortunately, I'd never find out because when I tried to transfer my care to the NHS with my diagnosis, I was told I didn't qualify for ADHD meds as despite my specialist's report, I seemed to be doing okay in life. My GP explained that they're super expensive meds and it's one of the controlled substances that requires regular monitoring, adding to an already vast caseload of patients for potentially long term care. Outside of my own experience, I now know that not only is it understandably tricky to get your hands on these elusive meds, but not all meds suit all patients. So rather than being the cure-all that many of us are after, it's a whole process. And one I can't really talk about beyond that first roadblock I experienced. Emma Golding is a clinical scientist and photographer. She began her journey with ADHD meds after her diagnosis in 2021. Now, I just want to add a little disclaimer here that Emma's experience is very much her own. And as with all of these things, if you are starting meds yourself, it is absolutely imperative that you follow your doctor's instructions on taking the meds.
1: Hi, Emma. So nice to have you. Hi. It's nice to be here chatting face to face properly.
0: Let's go back then to your
1: diagnosis.
0: So what sort of led you to be assessed and and then obviously eventually get your
1: diagnosis? Put it the shortest version, which is rare for me, my friend told me to <laughs> get a <sass. laughs> Prior to that, I had, much like everyone else with an adult diagnosis, spent my entire life wondering what was wrong with me, why I wasn't like everybody else, why I was finding everything so difficult. I had questioned dyspraxia, I had questioned autism, I had questioned narcolepsy, all kinds of things I had been previously either misdiagnosed or it was you know a diagnosis alongside the ADHD that was obviously at that time missed depression anxiety all the usual the psychiatrist said when people get the right meds or the right combination of meds they find it's like the difference between night and day and i was like well if that's how good my life can be then i, I would like some of these meds thank you very much <laughs> so the first step was i had to get blood tests done I could either pay privately for the blood tests or get them done on the NHS and they would report them back to make sure that my liver kidneys blah 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 were all functioning properly because obviously the meds are pretty intense to check my heart's cardiovascular system make sure basically make sure they weren't going to kill me and there was a disclaimer that you could sign and say you would take them and if they killed you it wasn't their fault but I was like no no let's just make sure So once I got the blood tests and he was happy with those, uh, we had a, um, it sent me the information about all the different medications, again, read it all, tried to process it, didn't do particularly well because I was burnt out. Um, I don't know which one's going to be best for me. So when we sat down, he's like, do you have any ideas about which one you would like to try? I was like, "Alvance." So they started me on 20 milligrams, just to like he said, it's probably you're not going to notice anything at that level, but we need to start you low because so that your body can tolerate it. So I took the first one and I did feel like I felt something and later in the day felt a little bit hyper, like maybe like I'd had a coffee level of hyper, if you can call it that. The next day I took it and like mid afternoon, I was like, I'm having a coffee. And so for the rest of that week on 20, I was having that in the morning and having a coffee sort of mid-afternoon. And then I went up to 30. And so it was gradually up 10 milligrams. And at some point we decided we were going to split the doses because I was feeling the positive effect in the morning, but it was always wearing off sort of um, two o'clock in the afternoon. So alvans is a long-release amphetamine and then you get slow-release versions. And they're supposed to last between 8 and 12 hours, I think. And mine were wearing off after about, at the very early end of that range. So he suggested instead of just increasing the dose, because I was feeling good in the morning, it obviously was enough, but it just wasn't lasting. What we'd do is split the dose and have a second slow-release tablet in the afternoon. So before I switched, I was on 50 in the morning and 40 in the afternoon And some days it was feeling like enough. Around about my period, obviously everything's always worse, partly due to the lack of sleep. But it always has been worse. Like I've always noticed my ADHD symptoms worse then. So he said what a lot of people do is have a booster during the period. Um, So that would be a a fast release tablet. He was really, really um, collaborative with me over the whole thing. So I tried, some days I tried just taking the short acting and seeing how that worked, But I found that when they wore off, there was a definite, like it was like going off a cliff edge, like the energy just drained immediately. Whereas with the slow release, it was kind of, it was a tapering. It was just like, oh, I'm a bit tired now.
0: The second series of Is It My ADHD is made possible by our sponsor, To Better Days. Chronic pain and migraines are a well-documented comorbidity of ADHD. It's something we often see within our community. It is also an issue that, like ADHD, can be wildly difficult to pin down and find support for. 70% of those who experience chronic pain are women, and on average it takes more than seven years to obtain a diagnosis. Two Better Days is keen to support and empower the chronic pain community, not just with their drug-free pain relief patches for migraines and chronic pain, but by giving those affected a voice and really listening to understand the daily challenges of self-advocacy and effective pain management. Everyone's pain is different and complex, and to better days don’t overpromise. But their hope is that a patch you can pop in your pocket in case of a flare can ease your day. They have also given listeners of this podcast 10% off all products if you use the code GRACE10. Thank you so much to Better Days. Can we go back just for a second, go back to when you sort of first started taking them and through that whole process of, this is what we call titration, right? Yeah. Yeah. So as you were going through titration, what were the first um, sort of side effects that you were very aware of that weren't anything sort of helpful, as it were?
1: So the side effects were horrendously dry mouth, which affected my appetite. Might have been the meds, might have been a dry mouth. I felt like it was dry mouth because everything felt horrible in my mouth. It just put me off my food completely. I I was still eating because it was very... What's the word? He made very clear that I need to keep eating because weight loss is a side effect of the drugs as well. And I did lose a bit of weight, I think probably because, you know, I was just finding food so unappealing. So as weight loss, dry mouth, it didn't really impact my sleep because I was, you know, managing it quite well away from bedtime.
0: Did Were you aware of any sensations just generally in terms of like your sort of thoughts and
1: feelings? Yes. So it's really hard to pass out what was ADHD and what was the meds? I found that, like, I don't, hadn't noticed specifically any areas where I felt like I had experienced hyperfocus. Turns out now there actually had been lots of times, but the times that I've most recently noticed it in a negative way have been, I think, related to medication. There's a saying, you've probably heard it going about, pills are not skills. So the, the medication will help you focus, it will not help you choose where to apply that focus. So if you do not sit down with a very distinct idea of what you're going to do and those meds kick in, you could find yourself focusing very well on something very useless. Or on what I was finding in the time that I was away from work, quite often something quite detrimental so my mum and my sister would chew over and as I'm sure you will understand my house is a mess so I was like right I need to tidy up before they come now did I focus on dealing with the piles of paperwork that were all over the house that would be a very quick way of making everything look neater no did I focus on running a feather duster around getting right rid of the spider webs no what I decided to focus on doing was scrubbing the kitchen floor I scrubbed the kitchen floor for five hours and I couldn't stop. I knew what I was doing was stupid. I knew it was not the best use of my time. I could not stop. Um, And I was furious because I knew... Like my brain was going, stop doing this, go sort the paperwork, stop doing this.
0: You know, obviously it's, it's all about focusing or f- just focusing your mind, the meds, um, in a lot of ways. Um, and then obviously off the back of that, helping you to regulate your energy levels, which for us fluctuate quite dramatically. <laughs> you know, <laughs> as you were saying, if you're focusing on the wrong thing, actually all of those things still fall apart. So did your, is that where the sort of coaching comes into support?
1: So I haven't done any coaching yet. Because the other thing that I wanted to touch upon was the NHS wouldn't prescribe you the drugs because they were hyper expensive. I was like, that's shocking. But um so I've gone obviously down the private route and um it's cost me a huge amount of money. But what I what I did at the start was make sure that my GPs were prepared to take on a shared care agreement once I was titrated. So because the drugs can only be prescribed by a psychiatrist, um, they, they have to just be able to write the prescription they can't change doses or anything so anytime I need to change a dose or need a review which will be every six months I'll have to go back privately to have that. I still have to get checks done through the NHS on a regular basis which I can't remember and the actual review to see so they will review my medication make sure it's working effectively for and whatever is six monthly but if I Want to discuss it sooner i can make an appointment sooner and speak to them um so privately at the adhd center anytime that i want my meds reviewing i can do that yeah so i had already made sure that they were prepared to take on shared care which would mean that once i was titrated and the dosages were all stable for now they could prescribe it and i could get my prescriptions on the nhs so we've finally hit the point where I'm on a stable dose of medication that's working well for me. And so, yeah, for the next six months, that's what I'll be having. How did you know that you were at the right point with those meds? Like, what was the kind of sweet spot where you're like, yes, nailed it, let's go? Okay, so I'm going to scooch back because you're. I don't know if you remember, I said that I switched. So I was on the maximum dose of alvans but split up through the day um, with the boosters. And I kind of felt okay. I wasn't as tired as I had been. I was a little better focused not massively and I was like "Mm, you know this isn't the difference between night and day this is like the difference between night and early evening maybe so I spoke to my psychiatrist at my next review and I said to him it's not the difference between night and day and he said well you know um You do need to sleep for for those to get that maximum effect. It's not the same for everyone. Not everyone's going to get that huge change. And obviously, because you were doing quite well before your burnout, maybe there isn't such a massive change for you to see. But I kind of felt like on the LVANCE, I was about as good as I was just before I burned out. And I know that before I burned out, like before COVID, I was doing so much better So to me, that was the benchmark that I was aiming for before I became symptomatic in my eyes. Um, But he said, I'm happy for you to try something else, but just be aware that, you know, you might not ever get perfect because you don't sleep very well. But we can also work on that. So I was like, great, fine. So we moved over to methylphenidate. Yeah, so I said, I'd like to try that. And he was, yep, fine, go for it. I had to titrate down off my alvans and then I would titrate back up on the methylphenidate. So because my body was already used to stimulants, it meant that I didn't have to go up as slowly. And I I was also really impressed with the fact that they weren't just trying to get all my money. It was like, we want to get you there as soon as possible. We want to get you on shared care. So I went up to 54 the first month. And again, it was sort of wearing off early afternoon and I was um, topping up with a coffee. So we went for a split dose again. And he also gave me boosters. The other thing that he gave me was melatonin to help with my sleep because he said if we get your sleep right then you might everything might be better i had had some melatonin with the alvans, and i hadn't found i hadn't really liked it a because it made me groggy, groggy and b because it didn't massively improve my sleep on the two occasions that i tried it but that was in those time in my period where i don't sleep so he's prescribed me a bunch more so that i can use it and see if it helps not like loads i've not got loads of it and it's it's natural so it's not like a sleeping pill that you're supposed to get hooked on or whatever um and i only take it if i've had a night of really bad sleep and i think it's going to happen the next night i just take it just like preventatively so tell me about your day like when you get up in the morning and then you start taking your meds like what are all the different sort of bits of the day kind of thing so you're supposed to eat around about the time you take them it's not great to take them on an empty stomach apparently it helps them work better so on a work day i'll generally take a slow release the 54 in the morning and then i'll take um the second dose of slow release at about 11 12 o'clock uh with my late morning snack (laughs) and then if i need it then i might have a booster later in the day but mostly i don't it's just like that occasionally but if i've taken melatonin to sleep then i take the booster first thing and then move my other doses along a couple of hours through the day
0: and that's working really well so that means that you're kind of back to that pre-burnout self do you feel
1: i feel like control over my energy levels is back there focus as long as i've got something good to focus on and it's not like like the boring stuff at work is a struggle not gonna lie um But yeah, it feels much better. I have been ignoring my limits for so long that it made me sick. And now I know that those limits are not to be ignored. So now I'm much more aware of my own needs. And so rather than drugging myself into being constantly productive, I'm using it so that I can earn an income, but trying to be very mindful of the fact that that's not sustainable for me.
0: I'm a bit blown away because I've been thinking of meds as being something that helps you do the things that you want to do. But actually, if we like drill down, maybe it's more about things that you feel like you ought to be doing, which is like a whole other, you know, I mean, that's so much a part of ADHD anyway, isn't it?
1: I think it can be both. So the reason that I do still take meds on the days that I'm not at work is so that I can do the things that I want to do. Because when I was just before I burned out, what I was finding was, I was using all my energy for work and then I wanted to take photos, but I also needed to sleep and I also needed to do the housework. And that's what burned me out because I was trying to do all the things. What happened was I was letting go of the things that were important to me and managing my mental health so that I could keep working and obviously looking after the kids and doing the house stuff. But then that was having a detrimental effect because I wasn't, I wasn't getting to do the creative things that give me a boost. And so what I was finding was I would be working all week and then I had to nap most of the weekend or be catching up on my chores because I was so tired. So it's all about finding that balance and finding that sweet spot. And that is what the coaching is for. So it's about um, having finding coping strategies and ways of managing, because we've all got to live in this capitalist society that's set up for neurotypical people. So we need to find a way that does that, that's not detrimental to us. But obviously I was spending all of my money on medication, so I couldn't afford to pay for coaching as well. Um, But what is excellent is, didn't even make any notes, but what I did actually want to make sure that I mentioned was access to work. So they are both a complete pain in the ass, but also quite good. So the whole process is abysmal, especially for people with ADHD. It's form-filling, it's waiting around. When you phone them up, you're on hold forever, and it's got all these really distracting things in it. Basically, you, if you are self-employed, or you are an employed person, or you are trying to get into employment, there is a government fund that is to help people with all kinds of disabilities, I think, but including hidden disabilities into the workplace. They're massively behind. They quote 12 weeks on their website, and it's about six months at the moment and they can offer suggestions they will fund to a certain degree things that will help you in the workplace so i had my assessment with them shortly after i returned to work so i did go back to work before i was fully established on med because obviously that's only just happened now and i've been back a few months but work have been so supportive they paid for a neurodiversity training awareness session for the whole lab shortly after my return so that everyone kind of understood what was going on they have we've started arranging sort of uh, cpd sessions so continual professional development sessions but there are about general lived experiences that other people have so there's a lot of awareness there's a lot of conversation happening they were very good about letting me have a very very slow phased return and basically i just went in when i wanted and did whatever i wanted they were like whatever just we're just happy to have you here in the workplace and whatever you feel like you can do will be a help to us so you know just take it really easy so i did go back before i was fully established but it I needed to be there to know whether the meds were working properly and also so that I had something to focus my mind because otherwise I would just sit at home ruminating about lost friendships and um, somebody looked at me strangely and yada yada. I mean, I could focus on cleaning my house, but I didn't. <laughs> I just don't think there's any meds
0: in the world that will that will, that will give us that, my friend. Can we sort of, sort of, to bring it to some sort of conclusion, have you got a handful or maybe just one even tips for people who are have been diagnosed and are looking to start the titration process?
1: Um, I guess that would depend very much on whether you were doing it through the NHS or privately. But if, if you, what I would say is a lot of people are hesitant about medication because they feel like it's going to change them. Um, and that they'll lose the good bits of their ADHD. I've heard a lot of people say that, and I haven't found that to be a thing. And I think possibly um, maybe that might have something to do with the kind of medication that you take, might be to do with getting the dosage right. But at no point have I felt like I don't have 10,000 creative ideas still coming through, and I haven't felt like that's waned at all. If, If anything, it's better because I'm not exhausted all the time. And I've got a better ability to be able to focus on, not massively better, I'm still trying to do 20 different things at once. But I would say if you're considering it, try it. Because if you do try it and you find that you don't like who you are on meds, you can stop taking them. But if you don't try them, you don't know who you could be on meds. Maybe you could be you, but better.
0: Emma, it's been such an amazing privilege to actually hear your experience because I think I've obviously heard so much of it in our um, epic voice notes to each other over the last year or so. But I think it's so important to kind of dispel some of the fears that come with meds. And I think what you've done by sharing your experience is that, that exact thing, but also with a kind of really real like this is exactly what it feels like i hope that will help lots of people who are sort of about to go through that process and in the meantime obviously you can find emma on instagram to continue following her journey and i think probably let's just book in a return sesh like when you're a bit further down the line emma
1: yeah let's get down it when i've got my coaching behind me as well so yeah in september <laughs> thank you so much emma and
0: uh, good luck with your onward journey we now turn to an expert. Today, it's Dr. Mohammed Abdel Ghani. He is a lead consultant psychiatrist specializing in adult ADHD, both for the NHS and at his private practice, Dyad Medical in London. And so I'm so thrilled to have him here today to decipher, does my period make my ADHD worse? So going through the menstrual period, it's a time of uh, a lot of instability for some people and ups and downs in emotions and energy levels without even the person having adhd so definitely yes we see a lot of women and uh, girls coming to the clinics uh, and making uh, painting a very clear picture that their adhd symptoms could be worse during their menstrual period or before their menstrual period and it, it's a time of uh, uh, significant instability even without having ADHD so having the ADHD ma- can make the ADHD worse during this time of the month. Thank you so much for joining me and this community of amazing people. We'd love it if you could follow Is It My ADHD wherever you get your podcast from and now I'd love to hear from you. What other perspectives would you like to see explored in future episodes? Find me on Instagram at isitmyadhd.com to continue the conversation.